Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. It's Friday, October 14th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. After tons of anger and outcry from the entire city of Los Angeles, former City Council President Nuri Martinez has resigned her City Council seat. This comes after leaked audio surfaced in which you can hear Martinez and two other council members make crude and racist remarks. The scandal has outraged residents who shut down council meetings demanding more resignations. In the wake of the leaked audio, the California Attorney General has also said he will investigate the LA redistricting process. And then there is a mystery yet to be solved of who recorded and leaked the audio. Gustavo Arellano, columnist at the LA Times, joins us for how it's all playing out. Next. The inflation rate cooled slightly to 8.2%, but is still battering Americans with record high prices. 18 months after President Biden signed the American Rescue Plan, the consensus is that it helped the economy recover quickly from the pandemic lows, but also contributed to the inflation we face today. On the high end, estimates say about half, 4% of current inflation can be attributed to the rescue plan. High product demand and other factors also contributed But within days of signing the plan, some prices began to rise. David Lynch, global economics reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for What to Know. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. As I have said earlier, the wound is deep. The the harm is vast. Um, The transgressions are of a profound significance. And in order for us to move forward with the people of Los Angeles, we need two more resignations. Joining us now is Gustavo Arellano, columnist for the LA Times. Thanks for joining us, Gustavo. Gracias for having me again. Well, we've been talking about what's going on at the Los Angeles City Council. We already uh, spoke about Nuri Martinez and uh, the other council members, Gil Cedillo and Kevin DeLeon. They were caught on this recorded conversation that was leaked last year in October, but uh, we're really just getting wind of it uh, this time around. And obviously there was uh, racist things said about a fellow council member's black son saying he, he, he was like a little monkey. They were disparaging Oaxacans in the city. They even said stuff about Jewish and Armenian people. There was all sorts of really bad stuff that was going on there. And at first, Nuri Martinez, the council president, resigned her post as president. But since then, and the outrage that was going on in the city, she has now resigned her city council position as well. So, Gustavo, how have the last few days played out? Oh, my Lord. It has been, as we Mexicans say, una desmadre. Just one <laughs> yeah. crazy all over everything. The, everyone is talking about this in Southern California. It's all over the news. It's all over your social media. 
it's in you know publications and it's it, it for Los Angeles. Look, I'm not from Los Angeles. I, I'm from Orange County. I still live there. But just I just seeing what's going on in Los Angeles, it really seems like a transformational moment where one of the few times that almost the entire city is united. They're united at disgust at this. Of course, what's going to happen next uh, in terms of where the politics should go? That's going to be a whole different thing. But at least for this one moment, people are like, yes, we stand against hate. We stand against stupidity. Resign, resign. Yeah, and the calls were so loud. Uh, there was a city council meeting that tried to get underway, you know, midweek, and uh, uh, people signed up for the public comment section. There were so many f bombs that were dropped during that meeting. I mean, it was pretty amazing. And uh, you know, the acting president Mitch O'Farrell trying to maintain some type of quorum, trying to uh, just maintain some type of uh, sanity. There, it was impossible, right? And, and as you mentioned, right, that just the anger and disgust with what was going on throughout the entire meeting. Yeah, was heard. people. People were yelling. People were uh, chanting, fuera, get out of here. There was uh, brass bands outside. There was middle fingers thrown up in the air. There were uh, posters with all sorts of words. I was not there, but I was tuning in. Uh, My colleague, Julia Wick, was there just reporting nonstop on Twitter, uh, taking pictures, taking video. I I like democracy like that. Democracy should be loud. It should be rambunctious. I do think they should have allowed the city council meetings to continue, but they promised to continue to disrupt and just be loud until now at this point, Cedillo and De Leon resign. As I mentioned, the acting president right now, Mitch O'Farrell, had a press conference that said, you know, we're canceling the city council meetings. He called on Cedillo. He called on Kevin DeLeon to resign. He said, you know, we can't really get on with the business of the city until that happens. So we'll see how far that lasts. That's the next piece. But people are just, as I mentioned, just completely angry. Nuri Martinez, when she resigned her city council seat, she put out a statement now, your reaction to that statement, because, you know, she goes on to, you know, list some accomplishments that she had. She never really mentioned the whole reason why she's leaving, the racist remarks that she made. And in the end, I, I know a lot of people had a big problem with this because she was the first Latina to sit as the city council president there. And she says at the end of her statement, and last to all the little Latina girls across the city, I hope I've inspired you to dream beyond that which you can see. This is not an inspirational moment. She is not a role model for these little girls. Everyone scoffed at that. The hubris of her, the arrogance, the ignorance. Instead of saying, I will be better, or instead of apologizing again, yeah, she just uh, puffs herself up. She humble brags. She lists all these different accomplishments, continues to insist, oh, yeah, I was always working for communities of color, you know, the same communities she maligned. And remember, her original apology was, oh, I said those things in a moment of intense frustration. No one buys it. We saw a window into her soul. If she really was serious about seeking forgiveness, she would have apologized again. She would not have been boasting about the supposed accomplishments that she did. And she would not have thrown that preposterous line about Latina girls. It's like, give me a break. Literally, everyone's like, (laughs) no, no one bought it. No one bought it. You want to talk about a a, a fail that was epic fail. One of the next parts, as I mentioned, right? Everybody's calling for Gil Cedillo, Kevin DeLon to resign. It, it doesn't seem like the fur around this is going to stop until that happens. But the other big mystery, and we talked about this the last time we spoke about this, the leaked audio. 
who recorded this and who leaked it. This was done at the headquarters of the LA County Federation of Labor. Their president, Ron Herrera, who was part of these conversations, has already resigned. Your colleagues there at the Times were doing a deep dive into this and how this audio first came to be. It sat on Reddit for a little bit of time a year ago, but it was on a, a, an account that really didn't get much traction and it took some time for other people to be aware of this audio, but still a mystery on who was behind this. Yeah, there was a cryptic message that was basically implying that whoever did this was disillusioned with the labor movement, was definitely somebody from the inside. We know that this recording, the conversation between De Leon, Martinez, Cedillo, and Herrera, that it was in the offices of the L.A. Labor Federation. But that's about it. I mean, and obviously, I know, we, of course, we know that it was recorded illegally because in California, you have to consent to uh, being recorded. So, I mean, that was one of the first big scandals, actually, that the LA Labor Fed, when my colleagues at the Los Angeles Times reached out to them for comment, instead of decrying the speechifying, they said, well, if you folks publish this article with these quotes and you're condoning illegal activity, and we're like, come on, really? But that got a lot of folks in the labor movement upset at them and saying, like, you have your priorities on, on terribly wrong. You know, as you mentioned, it's got to be somebody on the inside. There's speculation. You know, was a disgruntled labor employee, somebody who just maybe has a vendetta out against the Congress people who were involved in this. We'll still kind of work to uncover what that is. And one of the other parts of this, too, is, you know, they obviously these conversations were done in the context of talking about redistricting. And now we're hearing from the California Attorney General Rob Bonta said now they're they're going to investigate into the redistricting process that took place last fall. They need to restore confidence in the process. And so this is the other thing that has blown up because of all this. Yeah, I mean, for the voters, again, there's this humongous mayoral election in just a couple of weeks. And also, you know, for city controller, city attorney, a couple of council seats. And this is really a pivotal moment. Los Angeles has been going leftward in the city council now for a couple of years. Is this going to continue the trend? What does this audio leak do to either help or hinder that movement? And then when it comes to mayor, you know, you know, everything is such in flux. Like uh, Attorney General Ron Bonta, I think you said, um, is investigating whether this redistricting happened um, legally. Everything on the up and up because there's these allegations that no, it was totally rigged. It's specifically against. Uh, uh, the left. And it's really interesting because, you know, all the, the uh, De Leon, Cedillo uh, and Martinez, they're all Democrats. They're all self-identified progressive Democrats. Uh, right. De Leon and Cedillo especially have long been on the, you know, the, the Chicano left for a long, long time. And what a world we live in that they are now considered to be Vendidos, sellouts. Yeah. I could never imagine this day, but hey, uh, that's LA. <laughs> yeah, and, and in the meantime, right, the city just continues to reel with anger and disgust at these people, right? It's just a tough position to be in. As you mentioned, you wouldn't imagine some of this stuff to happen, but you kind of always know what happens behind the scenes, and now it's just confirmation. It's just a really, really bad time for the city. So we'll continue to hear these outcries for the other two council members to resign, and until that happens, nobody's going to be happy. Gustavo Arellano, columnist for the LA Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Gracias as always for having me. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. 
It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This American Rescue Plan program invests $1 billion, a total of three, but $1 billion to create jobs and opportunity for people in places where they live and where they've worked their entire career so they don't have to leave. Joining us now is David Lynch, global economics correspondent at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, David. Sure. Well, we've been talking a lot about economic news lately. You know, there's a lot of uneven economic news right now. Inflation at a 40-year high. We just keep hearing all the stories that are going on right now with that. And, you know, the big questions are always, why has it gotten so high? Why has it has been sustained so much? And uh, right now we're seeing a, kind of a connection of what happened between the American Rescue Plan, the $2 trillion that the Biden administration got passed for this, and, uh, you know, how it impacted inflation. It seems that it has made it worse. The economy overall still has a lot of good metrics on it. But, uh, you know, now as this has been sustained for so long, you know, it's starting to falter a little bit. But, you know, some studies and economists say that the uh, rescue plan did make things a little worse on this. So what are we seeing, David? Right. Well, what we try to do uh, and what we've been trying to do all year uh, with a series of articles called the COVID money trail is look at the money that the government spent uh, to fight the pandemic and to rescue the recovery. And the piece that uh, I did that came out today took a look, as you suggested, at President Biden's American Rescue Plan, $1.9 trillion. This was the law that was passed in March of last year, shortly after Biden took office. And it sent out stimulus checks. It funded uh, tax credit 
was that the pandemic still had the economy in its grips. As the plan was being drawn up, they had seen job losses in the month of December in 2020 after the economy had seemed to be recovering. So folks in the White House were worried that the recovery might be slipping away. And so they were intent on if they were going to make an error, they wanted to do too much to rescue the economy rather than not do enough. The good news from that is we've had a much faster jobs recovery than we did after the global financial crisis in 2008. The bad news is we've had the highest inflation in 40 years. Now, that's not all because of the rescue plan, but that is a contributing factor. There are a lot of other parts of the story as well. One of the questions, so how much worse did this action make it? You know, some estimates say, uh, at least on the higher end, about 4%. So maybe about a high, uh, half of what the inflation is now that you could possibly attribute to the American Rescue Plan. This is a lot of, like a lot of things in economics. It's, it's very hard to, to disentangle all the various contributing forces here because, you know, you're talking about a $25 trillion economy. There's a lot of stuff going on at any one moment. In addition to the rescue plan, the Fed was keeping interest rates ultra low, down near 0%, and going out and spending trillions to buy up bonds and other assets to try and keep longer term rates low. So that was fueling demand in the economy. Then on the supply side, you had the effect of the war in Ukraine, which few people saw coming. That disrupted global commodity markets for food and fuel, sending prices skyrocketing for those key uh, key goods. You had the pandemic still interfering with uh, Chinese factory output. That caused product shortages, other supply chain disruptions. So there were, there, you know, there were a lot of ingredients in this stew. And picking it apart, have been a number of economists, including at the San Francisco Fed and at some private universities and elsewhere. And the studies run from finding a very small role for the ARP, the American Rescue Plan, uh, up to, as you say, four percentage points. To the extent that there's a consensus, and it's hard to say because they all kind of take a different whack at this question, you know, it's in the neighborhood of a, of a couple points, probably two, maybe three, somewhere in that range uh, at any one time. And when we look at other countries, right, they're also exp- experiencing high inflation as well. And, and kind of taking a look back at how things escalated over time, right? You, you mentioned in the article within days that the White House passed this and the checks were starting to land in Americans' bank accounts, certain things started ticking up. Used car prices, airlines and sports tickets began to rise. All that stuff, the the prices of things started going on and month by month, new things started to rise. But Americans, because of those, that influx of cash, they still had some money to spend on it. A lot of people were saving. And so now that that's kind of run out, now we're starting to feel the really blunt effects of high inflation. Well, the way to think of inflation is is kind of a mismatch between supply and demand. And, you know, we had demand being fueled by the added spending at a time when supply was being constricted. So companies were not able to get as much product out on the marketplace as they would normally have liked to. And the, the auto market's a great example of that. And I have to say, I've suffered with this myself, having bought two cars in the last 12 months. There just wasn't the normal supply of new and used cars. And that was largely because of a shortage of semiconductor uh, components that go into, you know, lots of parts of of a modern vehicle. I mean, a car today is really a, a computer on wheels. And because there wasn't enough vehicles 
available for sale, people bid the price up. I, you know, the first car I bought last uh, just about a year ago uh, sold above the uh, MSRP. Yeah. Now, I've, I've never paid above MSRP in my life, but the market was disrupted uh, and discombobulated by all these unusual circumstances. And if you, if you step back, it's always worth bearing in mind that what we are going through and what we've been going through now for more than two years is a really unusual set of circumstances. This isn't a normal economy uh, still. This isn't normal life yet, and we all know that at some level. We're still not, most of us, living exactly the way we were uh, before the pandemic. And the disruption to the economy that started in 2020 is still working its way through the system. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a while before I, th- I think before we get back to sort of yeah. something we would call normal. And you can look at the job market, right? It's all over the place right now. Companies still are in desperate need of workers. But at the same time, we're barreling down, you know, fears of a recession possibly. So that's kind of starting to ease up. But we just haven't recovered from a lot of those pandemic losses, right? We see all these airline industries specifically just laying off tons of people. Now they're in the lurch really trying to hire back. Well, and this is what makes it difficult for policymakers as well, because the normal relationships that would guide officials as they try to assess where the economy is and where it's headed don't completely operate the way they did before the pandemic. So, you know, in normal in a normal business cycle, as demand starts to soften and companies start to worry about a recession, they'd start to lay people off. That would further cause weakness in the economy, and that would help bring inflation down. But now you've got so many companies that have had such a hard time finding workers because there's been a shortage of people available for work in a number of areas. You know, in any restaurant you go into uh, is short-staffed. Companies now, having finally hired people, may prove to be more reluctant than they would normally be to lay them off because they'd be thinking, you know, gee, if we have a a short recession and I lay this guy or gal off, uh, you know, six months from now I may need them back and I won't be able to find them because they'll have gone on to something else and I I don't want to go through that again, so I'll just buckle down and I'll I'll keep them on the books to, to ride it out. So, you know, that's what makes it hard for the Fed to know exactly how much they're going to have to raise rates to get the economy to cool off to the degree that they want it to cool off. David Lynch, global economics correspondent at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Anytime. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.